everybody. I'm Diane Canada, and we are live. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Did you guys know that we Americans think that today is Mexico's Independence Day? Would it surprise you if I told you that it's not? <laughs> Their Independence Day is actually not until September 16th. Uh, Today marks a victory, a really important victory in their history where they overcame the Napoleon French forces and uh, they did win a significant battle, but it is not their Independence Day. History is important, uh, but we need to get it right. It's a great excuse to party in America and it's okay for us to have some fun, but Mexicans are not celebrating their independence today. So we've got to get history right. It's important for every nation on the planet. Why would it be any different for America? And even if it's not always pretty, it's important to get it right. For those out there who are trying to rewrite it or trying to whitewash it, um, it's important we stand for it. History brings wisdom. That has value. How many of us have made mistakes in our personal lives, in our family histories? And when we make big, huge blunders or big, huge mistakes that cause ourselves or cause other people pain, if we're smart, we learn from it and we do everything we can not to repeat it. Um, we have a small group of people in our society these days. And I say small because I want to remind you that there are a lot more of us than there are of them, no matter how the optics look. But they are either ignorant of the catastrophes in world history or they think they can outsmart them. So, for instance, trying to condition young minds to embrace the ideas of socialism in the freest nation on earth. What if I could prove to you today that socialism was addressed and strictly forbidden from a biblical standpoint? We're going to do that today. Before we go there, I want to take a little walk down memory lane. You know, socialism has been trying to take root in our country for decades. It's not a new conversation. It didn't get any legs. It didn't get any any traction in the past because I always say that there was a generation before us that was too close to the last world wars. They saw where socialism and communism led. But in America today, our generation is so far removed from that. It seems like ancient history. But I want to remind you of a beautiful speech that Ronald Reagan gave in 1964, 1964 on socialism. It's never worked in any society, no matter how many times it's been tried. It always leads to atrocities, oppression and tyranny. So let me play you this important video. Now, I will tell you, it's it's a little long. I, I didn't feel like there was any part of it that I could cut out because each word of this is so important. I did chop it up a little bit, but I tried to keep the highlights. And let me just play this for you and see if this doesn't ring true for us right now. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite 
in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. And regardless of their sincerity, their humanitarian motives, those who would trade our freedom for security have embarked on this downward course. But beyond that, the full power of centralized government, this was the very thing the Founding Fathers sought to minimize. They knew that governments don't control things. A government can't control the economy without controlling people. And they know when a government sets out to do that, it must use force and coercion to achieve its purpose. We have so many people who can't see a fat man standing beside a thin one without coming to the conclusion the fat man got that way by taking advantage of the thin one. So they're going to solve all the problems of human misery through government and government planning. Well, now, if government planning and welfare had the answer, and they've had almost 30 years of it, shouldn't we expect government to read the score to us once in a while? Shouldn't they be telling us about the decline each year in the number of people needing help, the reduction in the need for public housing? But the reverse is true. Each year, the need grows greater. The program grows greater. Not too long ago, a judge called me here in Los Angeles. He told me that a young woman who'd come before him for a divorce. She had six children, was pregnant with her seventh. Under his questioning, she revealed her husband was a laborer earning $250 a month. She wanted the divorce to get an $80 raise. She's eligible for $330 a month in the Aid to Dependent Children program. She got the idea from two women in her neighborhood who'd already done that very thing. Yet any time you and I question the schemes of the do-gooders, we're denounced as being against their humanitarian goals. They say we're always against things, we're never for anything. Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant, it's just that they know so much that isn't so. Now... All right, does that ring true today or what? I'm going to bring in my friends now. We're going to have some great discussion around this topic today. We're going to be talking about not only American values and how capitalism versus socialism is not even, it's not even a question. Capitalism works, socialism doesn't, but we're going to prove it. We're going to drill it down and we're going to talk with some ladies who would know. All right. So let me introduce you to my friends. I want to first bring in uh, a graceful woman of God, someone that I admire so much and who is doing remarkable things in our community. She is the chairman of the Williamson County GOP and her name is Cheryl Brown. Come on in, Miss Cheryl. How are you today? Fine. How are you today? Good. Good to Good see you. Inviting me. <laughs> yes. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Also going to bring in my dear friend, another graceful woman of God. She is a leader in the community. She is a financial advisor in Franklin, Tennessee. She is a great mom and she helps so much on my political campaign here in 2020. Please welcome my friend Lisa Viles to the show. Hello, Miss Lisa. Hello, Diane. Hi, welcome back. Hi, Karen. Thank you. Yes. And last but certainly not least in any way, another graceful woman of God that I admire so much. She's a mom. She's a businesswoman and um, also serves with me in the Nashville Republican Women's Club. And she's the fiance of uh, Quincy McKnight, who is running for U.S. Congress uh, coming up soon this year. So let's welcome in Hannah Cannon. Hello, Hannah. Hey, Diane. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, hey Lisa. Welcome. 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 All right, guys. So this is a big topic to cover in 30 minutes. 
I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we are going to do, we're going to do our best. So, all right. I will kind of, let me kind of set some questions up, set some food for thought up. And then I definitely want your input today for sure. How many of us, let's just break socialism down, right? How many of us know that there is pride in working for the things that we want in life? The whole idea of socialism is equal outcome versus equal opportunity. Mm. So it's in other words, it's saying that everybody should have the same regardless of how hard you work for it or how much you've earned it. And this utopian idea that AOC and Bernie Sanders and a lot of these people are trying to push on us is saying that if we'd all just share and if we all just had access to this, that and the other, it would be such a, a more peaceful society and a more fair and equitable society. They're throwing around this word equity a lot, you guys. So let's speak to this. Let's talk about the, our conservative values versus this idea of this utopian society. And let's see where the conversation leads. Again, I want to welcome all of you who are watching to weigh in. This is two-way conversation and we welcome your comments. We can see them and we want to try to get to your, your questions and your comments on this today too. So Cheryl, you're at the top of the leaderboard up there. So I'm going to bring you in first. Okay. Would socialism ever fly in America? Would it ever work? Socialism does not work. Um, so one of the things that um, Reagan said that he, when he said there, they know so much that isn't so when he was talking yeah. about them knowing they, they think they know everything um, with with them trying to bring socialism into, um, you know, to just give everybody the same this the same wages, the same housing that that just does not work. It doesn't work for everybody. And and really and truly, when you the Bible talks about when you give, um, you know, you give to uh uh, to help other people, you you want it. You feel good to give out to other people to to be able to assist other people, but to just to try to um, make this whole country a country where everybody is on the same page. It's not going to work. It's not going. It doesn't work at all. So yeah, yeah. You know, Lisa, we saw uh, we saw the kind of the genesis of this when we started seeing the in schools, this no kid left behind idea, you know, and now we're seeing things in the media like them trying to take away advanced math classes, advanced courses in colleges and trying to dumb everything down and trying to just make us all kind of in this Ronald Reagan refers to it as the masses, you know, trying to just lump us into this category of the masses, you know, what, how do you feel? about this topic? Do you feel like that could ever, ever work? <laughs> Absolutely not. And probably <laughs> something you don't know about me. I um, actually, history was one of my majors in college. Ah. And so, you know, we always use the phrase, oh, history repeats itself. But yeah. that's why we study history. Sometimes people feel like, oh, that's, it's, it's old. It's archaic. Why do we do that? We do that for this reason. This is why we study history for when topics like this come up. So we can look back and look at other countries who have practiced this and and seen and be able to see the results. So you so we can look back at I could name some different countries, but and, and you can look at how their lives are and and then be able to assess. Oh, is that what I want my outcome to be for me, for my children, for my grandchildren, for you know my friends, my relatives, my neighbors? No, certainly not. And I think I think that that's important. Um, 
And yes, about our schools. Yeah, I, I do have a degree in secondary education as well. Um, but no, absolutely not. I feel like there is I there are people starting to take a stance against this. And I think that's lovely. You know, going back a little bit in history, you know, our parents would send us to school and we took for granted, not just our school systems, but a lot of things in our communities um, and in our country. We took that for granted and feeling like we spoke about yesterday that we're just safe, but things have changed. And I feel like that some people have taken advantage of the fact that they just slip in behind the curtains, slip some bills in, you know, pass some laws, changing things um, right before our eyes unknowingly, you know, to the average American. And so I feel like, Another reason why your show is so important to educate people, educate people on what is going on, educate people on what they can do about it. Because now I feel like we're at a time that people's eyes have been open saying, oh, this is going on and I don't like it. Now, what do I do about it? We're just in we're in an unprecedented time. And so I feel like, yes, Diane, thank you for this show. And I I think that this is going to be important, very important so people could understand what to do. They realize we're not in a good place, but what do we do about it? Yeah. Yeah. I keep, I keep saying that, that, you know, the last thing that people need is another talking head out there, right. Telling them what the problems are. What we want to do on this show is, is teach them what they can do to stand up and, and help start to start to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Han, I want to give you an opportunity to weigh in too. You know, we talk about our conservative values and we talk about, you know, saving for things and we talk about, you know, being, you know, frugal with our money. We talk about working for things that are important to us and having that pride and ownership. I mean, do you think a utopian society of everybody just sharing everything could actually become a reality? I don't think it should become a reality, um, Diane. And it, it makes me upset to hear to hear that, it you know, people are considering that because um, I look back at my great great grandmother who was born in the Reconstruction era shortly after the 13th Amendment fully emancipated slaves. She worked hard for her family. My other grandmother who only had a middle school education saved her hard earned wages from her house cleaning job to put me Mm. and a few of my other uh, cousins through college. Um, She saved that, Um, which in turn, I became a college graduate. I became a business owner. Um, I became a, a corporate executive. Um, I've done numerous things um, because of the government that we've had so far. And so it upsets me that we're even talking about socialism. I also think that it will not work because it will kill the drive and the dreams of our children. What will be the purpose of me homeschooling my children to to come out to say, oh, you know, you want to be this, that, and other? It really doesn't matter because your earnings are going to be the same across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, what child is going to be motivated by that? They're already <laughs> energized by these video games. You know, every day they're like, oh, I have this skin. I'm at this level. I'm at that level. Well, <laughs> guess what? If we have socialism in a video game, that will kill the drive in that video game, right? So <laughs> I think that... <laughs> That's I think a good that, point. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so it, it just appalls me that, you know, we're, we're even talking about this. Um, because I would not have been able to do the things that I've done. I would not be able to be at a place where I can provide. Now, don't get me wrong, everyone listening. I've had hard times as well mm-hmm. in my family and, in, in, you know, growing up as a young adult, even after college. College education does not promise you um, a great career, 
right off the bat. You have to find your way. And so, um, but with that being said, I, I want my children to have that opportunity to say yay or nay. My grandmother said that you can do whatever you set your mind to. And I'm sure you all have heard that before. She said that the government is not supposed to solve all of our problems. It's not supposed to run our lives. You know, according to the preamble of the Constitution, the government is supposed to, you know, promote the common defense, you know, mm -hmm. um, secure the liberties, um, blessings to, to us and all generations, um, you know, promote the general welfare. So mm -hmm. that is what the government is to do. So um, it's important to uh, for us to step up and, you know, make our voice heard. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of people depending on us on the decisions mm -hmm. that we make. And so I just don't agree that socialism uh, will work. And um, I want to make sure that it does not happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Those were those were some really good points you brought up, you yeah. know, uh, you know, and, and all of you. Here's, you know, do you guys hear people saying things like this? They say, well, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. You know, yeah. I hear yeah. that. I hear that out and about from all all different walks of life. You know, we're not just talking mm -hmm. about inner city, but I mean, young kids, it's like, I'm going to get right. mine. What what makes it yours? <laughs> like what? Like, I don't even understand that mentality. I used to have a staffing agency years, years ago, and I would have, you know, um, new graduates, new college graduates come out and come and interview for, you know, high level management positions. And they, they just felt like they should be able to step right out of college and, you know, earn a hundred grand a year. And it's like, do we remember the concept of paying dues, <laughs> you know, and kind of earning our way, you know, I think with like even game shows and like you're talking about video games and all that, mm -hmm. there's this, I think this perception anymore that, I should just be able to get everything instantly. I mean, we're in a microwave drive through world, you know, and everything at your fingertips when you want it. We've got parents, which I know a lot of us are guilty of coddling our kids, maybe a little too much, wanting them to have better life than we did. So I think they're just delusional at this point. And it doesn't matter how we got here, but we're here. We're here. And now we have to convince them that that is not the path, that that is not the way. I know we've got a lot of good parents out there that are teaching their kids better, you know, and I've met many of your kids and I know that y'all are teaching them better, but we've got to equip the ladies who are watching to, to teach better too. And probably a lot of them already are, but you know, if you're one of those parents out there watching and you've been coddling a little too much, or you've been, you know, pampering a little too much, maybe this will be a good wake up call for you today. Cause we're not their friend. We're their parent. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, Cheryl, I, I would I want to speak to you for just a minute on this, because I know with you leading the GOP there, you see a lot of this. I, this is my opinion. I'd love your reaction. I don't think utopian society can work because we have this element called human nature, you know, mm -hmm. and we're going to have always have people that are going to try to take advantage of someone else or try to bully someone else or going to try to, you know, steal from someone else, that kind of thing. So if you can speak to that for just a minute, I know you're such a wealth of, of information on that, you know, the idea of human nature. And I just love your comments before we get into the proof. It's very important on, you know, you have to be careful how you treat people. And, um, you know, so, you know, I, I can use a lot of, um, you know, what I've gone through in a lot of ways where, um, you know, people just treat you, they treat you how they, they want to treat because they don't know you. 
And, and, and a lot of times I look at people when I see them, when they treat me different from, you know, the, uh, rather than to respect me, that's when I realized that pretty much it's not you, it's that person. It's the person who has a problem. And most likely, most of the time, they're insecure themselves. And so they try to portray, interject their insecurity on you. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful, you know, so, you know, you don't have to always offend or attack back because somebody is, you know, treating you, you know, different, you know, just with disrespect. You just look and you go, hmm, I wonder what's really going on with that person. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it is something that is personal, that, but they're interjecting that, their, mm-hmm. their you know, what, their insecurity on you. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And when we, when we talk about, you know, the, the human nature side of, of things of why, you know, in any society, I mean, again, we look back over history, we look at all these generations, all these, we're, America's not the first nation in the world. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we have thousands of years of history. We see all kinds of great societies that were brought to their knees because of human nature, because of falling from within. I mean, we look at the Roman empire. We can, we can look at so many different examples over history, recent ones. When we look at socialism, Venezuela, I mean, that's probably the most recent one. We have people fleeing here from there. And like, I loved what Ronald Reagan said that, you know, from the Cuban refugee who said America was the place I could run to after this, if we lose it here, there's no place to run to. This is it. (laughs) This is the caboose when it comes to freedom and, you know, in the world. So here's how, here's the proof that I found today, you guys, that the reason why I can prove socialism is not biblical is because it's in the 10 commandments. And my husband actually gave me this realization today. I was talking to him about the show and he brought it to my attention. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shall not covet. I mean, and so when we talk about the definition of that, it's you shouldn't um, when covet means you basically shouldn't desire what other people have, what they've earned. You shouldn't want their property. You shouldn't want their wife or their husband. You shouldn't want their livestock. You shouldn't want their home. These are these are jealousies and things that we um, envy about other people. And it's biblical. I mean, so socialism is rooted in the Ten Commandments. As a no, no, you know, so I just, I would love your reactions to that. What, what do you think about that, Lisa? Oh, I think that's a great analogy that I had not quite thought of before. Um, absolutely. And uh, gosh, a, a little, uh, caught me a little off guard here. Yeah, I, well, what, what I'd love to hear from you, you're, you're a financial planner. So you look at these people who have, who are the epitome of, you know, this concept we're talking about in conservative values, saving for, for their retirement, making sure they're careful with their money. Um, talk a little bit from that perspective, if you would, you know, how and not coveting and trying to get what someone else has, but rather taking that time and earning. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that goes back to something we spoke of earlier is in our school system, you know, Tennessee is only one of six states that require any kind of financial education before you graduate. And that could be just a a simple one quarter class and would and they only teach basics like how to write a check, which hardly anyone does anymore. Um, It's very, very minute 
any amount of learning that that we are taught about finances. So I think, you know, in, when you talk about in coveting, sometimes people just they don't know how to get what someone else wants. And that want maybe has a, a, a something different from the inside. So what we're not teaching is um, like you're taught about, you know, learning a trade, learning a craft, starting your own business, how to make money. But then people are not taught what to do with it. There are so many creative things that you can do with money and how you save it and how you can make it grow. And um, I think that people are just not taught that. So when I sit down with someone, even if they're middle age or about to retire, um, talking about concepts they've never heard of before, and it's absolutely alarming. Um, it's not their fault. But I do believe that being that we have an education system, we should be teaching our children about the basics of finance um, and about what to do with your money. So for me, I just start at the very end. What is your goal long-term? What would you like to do in retirement? What would you like to see in retirement? What are your goals? And then I try to help them make a roadmap on how to get there. But mm -hmm. I'm I'm big about, you know, I lost a daughter, so I'm big about having money now and making memories. So I don't just say, you know, save all your money and don't do anything with it. No, I'm big about but being purposeful in that, you know, make those memories, uh, have a little fun while you're able to do that. But um, I think it's being very intentional about what you want to do with your money. And once you make money, give it a job. Every every money should have a job to do. And so I think that goes back to just not being educated about it, Diane. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. Hannah, I would love for you to weigh in on that, too, that is it their fault? Is it is it someone's fault, especially our young generation right now um, when they don't they're they're not being taught this in school? You know, they're not. So like Joyce Meyer always says, don't don't be jealous of me if you weren't willing to do what I did to get here, you mm -hmm. know, but if they don't know what to do, I mean, is there I don't know. I don't know how to um, if our schools are not teaching it, it's really up to the parents to teach it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's it's imperative that we as parents, you know, teach our children to strive for more. It's okay to strive for more, not covet what someone else has, but to mm -hmm. strive for more. And also to um, you know, uh know that it takes hard work to earn what that other person has who you're mm -hmm. looking at that has more. Mm -hmm. Um and so what actionable items that I take on a daily basis with my children is provide them with opportunities to see other people um, around them that may have their own business, that may be a scientist, they may be a doctor. Um, I'm working on um, making sure my oldest has the opportunity even during COVID to job shadow. Um, mm -hmm. For yeah. example, he's job shadowed his future stepfather, Quincy McKnight, who um, you know is a business owner, but an entrepreneur who built his business up by bootstrapping. Um, mm -hmm. He would not have been able to do that if we were in a socialism society, right. you know? And so my son's being able to see um, a strong man like that, you know, a face, a great father, you know, bootstrapping. And um, as you said, <laughs> Diane, you got to get mine. I'm going to get mine. You got to get yours. Yeah. I'll give you some feedback on that. That's actually a, a song from back in the day, Diane. I'll share it later. Is um, it? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. So Tribe Called Quest. So I actually like that phrase, Diane. If you Google Tribe Called Quest, 
group in the early 90s. The song went, I got to get mine. You got to get yours. What they were saying was, I have to earn mine and you have to earn yours. Okay. Yeah. They were not saying, um, I'm going to take yours. Right. You know? That's the difference. <laughs> so, That's the difference. Um, right my there. generation, that pumped me up during college. You yeah. know, I'm, I have to do a 10 page essay in college. I'm like, what, why do I have to do this? Well, I have to do this to get the degree so that I can get mine. Yes. That that's nothing what that wrong meant. with that. Yeah. So that is the um that's what I share with my children. I want them to have that same momentum mm-hmm. um to learn, continue always be a continuous learner is very important too. From even throughout adulthood. Um that will make sure that you will continue to be able to negotiate when you're going into a new uh, business contract. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there at a place where I'll tell people, no, that that's not enough. So mm-hmm. I will pass. I will wait on the next contract. Mm-hmm. But I know what value I bring um, mm-hmm. to the table. And mm-hmm. I want my children to know what value they bring. So my youngest son, if he loves art, he loves to build. Um, he could say, this is what I bring to the table. My oldest mm-hmm. loves science. Continue to nurture that that gift in him. And then, you know, eventually one day. He'll be able to, you know, show his future boss or, you know, show that future uh, uh, um, investor for his business. Hey, Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to bring to the table for this new business idea, new venture. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident that uh, we'll bring in, you know, some some great earnings. So, um, yeah, I'll keep going all day about this. So we're at the top of the hour. I'll be quiet. That's all right. Go ahead, Cheryl. Were you going to say, were you going to add something, Cheryl? You know, I was going to say, you know, I am, uh, I have a, a nonprofit that I'm a HUD approved housing counselor. And one of the programs that I run through the uh, Franklin housing um, uh, authority is the family self-sufficiency program. And so that program is set up to help those who are living in the projects um to transfer out the projects. So part of their rent goes into an escrow account to move them into home ownership. Mm-hmm. So, so pr- the housing project was not set up for you to stay there. It was set up th- to as a transition. But like uh, Reagan said, the social programs are, you know, they're, they grow and the programs grow greater every year or whatever. It's like how much how much more that that we can give into the social program to keep to keep you in the, keep you stuck in that place and so a lot of times this is what we're seeing we're seeing a lot of families who go through the the housing project program they're they're there i remember um uh ben carson sharing at one of the yeah. uh, town hall meetings that we were at in DC. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, he, he grew up in that housing project. So mm-hmm. but he was sharing with us. He said, he said, when he went through his listening tour, he said, everybody, he said, from what he could find out that people have been there 30, 40, 50 years. He was like, who, who does that? Mm-hmm. But this social program that is set up. So if they make a little bit of money, so, so if they make, five ten dollars more then their rent goes up so they're paying fifty dollars a month you know right now just to to make it to make it through but as soon as they get that raise then their rent goes mm-hmm. up to the amount whatever it the the mm-hmm. uh, 
apartment costs with six hundred dollars. Like, hold up. We, it, it, so the programs are, are the social programs that are out there right now is mostly keeping people in that socialistic mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keeping them on that hamster wheel. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Right. This yeah. is what and this is what we're seeing. I mean, you know, her being a financial mm-hmm. advisor and everything what she's doing. And Lisa, I'm sure you've seen it, too. It, it, I've heard uh, we were at a, at a meeting where one woman, she said, yeah, if you give me two hundred dollars. Well, I have to I have to acknowledge that two hundred dollars. So then but, you know, she don't give me two hundred dollars. Just do something else for me because I can't let you give me two hundred dollars because it throws my whole uh, financial um, roll off and living in the project. So it's almost a never ending, um, you know, a, a never ending program, but the family program is not, it's just a program to keep, to move them out of there. But most people will not get into the program because they were rather stay at a comfortable place than to move into the next place. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's so good. That's such yeah. good insight because I think a lot of people that um, look at these programs and and they wonder why uh, why it is such a perpetual cycle. And that's really good insight. And I'm sure we could probably have a whole show devoted to that, and maybe we should, you know, to help people understand. Um, we I have so much to say on this topic. I know you guys do too. We're out of time, but I do want to give people a couple of resources that they can uh, look into right away. Again, we want to give you guys action steps. So I want you to to make sure you're educating yourself on what socialism is so that when you're having these conversations, especially with really hard left liberal progressives out there and they're telling you, no, it's not the socialism of Cuba, it's democratic socialism. Well, what's the difference? Okay, so here's a book you can pick up and it's free you can actually download it online right now just google this what is democratic socialism and it's by the fund for american studies so if you just google that you can go to their website and download it for free another thing that you can do um, for free that is so helpful is you can go to hillsdale college i think it's hillsdale.org just google hillsdale college they have beautifully done free online courses that you can get a certificate in that break these topics down so beautifully. I mean, we don't have enough time on this show to really go deep like they can. But again, they're free. Hillsdale College, um, just sign up for their free online courses and you can take uh, Constitution 101. You can learn all about the, um, the inner workings of Congress and you can look back. One of the things that was really helpful for me was to look back and see where this socialism started, okay, and why it started. It's very fascinating information. And um, one other thing that you can do too, this would this is a fee to pick up, but there's a great guy out there called Dinesh D'Souza. And if you guys watch Fox, you may have seen him. He's on Laura Ingram all the time. And I think he's on uh, Hannity quite a bit, but he's got a great book out called The United States of Socialism. And it talks about this kind of new brand of socialism that these liberals are, are um, pushing right now. So educate yourself first. And then you can have intelligent discussions with these people who are telling you, oh, it's not the socialism of Cuba. It's not the socialism of Venezuela. We've got a better brand. It's not going to work. And these books will help you explain why. But remember today that even God said (laughs) it won't work. In the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. (laughs) Right? 
All right, guys, we're going to leave you with a um, leave you with a prayer today, like we always do. We know you guys are struggling out there, but I hope you're feeling encouraged and empowered by these conversations and that you will continue to join us every day. We're going to be back uh, again tomorrow at three o'clock. We're going to finish drilling these subjects out this week on There's No Place Like Home. And I'm going to just toss to Cheryl today and see if you would like to, to close us out in a beautiful prayer for all of the viewers that are listening by podcast or watching us today. Would you do that, Cheryl? No problem. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for uh, waking us up this morning and, and because today is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in this day. Now, Father, as we go about our day, be with us, cover us with your blood, keep us and, and protect our families in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you so much. You guys, uh, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you, it. Diane. Thank Bye-bye, you everyone. Bye-bye.